You're listening to Harper Audio Presents, a podcast that brings you conversation and inspiration from your favorite authors, editors, and creators, giving you new perspectives on the world of books, culture, and the arts. We are part of the HarperCollins Presents network of podcasts. Because it's poetry, and all you're doing is trying to open up our hearts and our minds. And so as long as I can get people to work with me, and I've, I've continue to, to function on that level, which means that I'll never be I'll never be rich. But it's not something that bothers me. Nikki Giovanni was born in Knoxville, Tennessee on June 7, 1943, and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio. After earning a BA from Fisk University in Nashville in 1967, she organized the Black Arts Festival in Cincinnati before entering graduate school at the University of Pennsylvania and Columbia University. She's currently a University Distinguished Professor at Virginia Tech, where she has taught since 1987. She joins me today to talk about A Good Cry, published by William Morrow Books in October. I'm Anna Maria Alessi, and joining me today is Nikki Giovanni. Welcome, Nikki. Thank you. So you spent the day recording, but you were recording an older work uh, for us as well, right? You were recording love poems. Yes, I was recording love poems, which, you know, you forget about, well, I don't know about other poets, but uh, some of your old work kind of goes away. And uh, one of the poems I had difficulty because I was crying, speaking of of, uh, a good cry, uh, when I wrote it, I didn't cry. And when I read it, I didn't cry. But now... 1995, and this is 2017, so it's been 12 years. Yeah. I was reading uh, a poem I wrote. Uh, it's called, a, and yeah, this is a love poem, but it's a poem on um, the uh, Day of Atonement of Black Men, uh, October, uh, I think that was 16, 1995. So it was really funny because I'm sitting here, I was crying, my nose was running. I was like, oh, I'm I'm learning to cry. So, <laughs> but it's a lovely, it, it is a lovely poem, if I do say so myself. It, there's so many lovely poems in that collection, and it it doesn't surprise me that you would find yourself crying for so many different reasons. And I was thinking, I was on the subway coming up, and I was rereading some of the the new work. You know, I'm on the A train with tears running down my cheeks, <laughs> and I was remembering sort of all the times that I have cried over your work. Of course, it's different every time. You know, you pick something up, and and you're in a different place in your your life and and you cry for different reasons do do you know why you cried today well that that was just yeah it was sad i mean you you have so many the police have been shooting so many unarmed uh, black men and so many black youngsters and of course uh, that fool in the white house trump and that'll make you cry just waking up i've gotten to the point of, i don't want to watch news anymore and you you do wonder, you know, uh, uh, McConnell. You do wonder what what makes these uh, idiots stand around and say we're, we're gonna we're gonna get rid of your health care because we we don't like it. What what would make you say to 22 million Americans we don't want you to have health if there is one thing in your life that does not belong to you? It's your health. Your health belongs to all of us. We've, we've had plagues. We, we've had so many things that show you, you don't have health. We have health. And when you start to look at uh, New York, you start to look at Hong Kong, you start to look at, at some of the cities and how close people live. I happen to live in the country. I used to live here in New York. People live so close together. Yeah. Everybody needs yeah. health care because whatever it is that they're going to get, the rest of us 
are going to get. You're going to shake hands. You're going to breathe. Look at the uh, uh, subway. I mean, just just looking at New York, it, it's it's utterly ridiculous to say we want billionaires to have a tax break, and we want our middle class and our our lower class people that don't have any money. We don't care how their health is. Of course we do. I yeah. mean that, and the Democrats need to say that they, they need, need to quit to more having a, a a discussion as if the 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 Republicans are saying something that makes sense because they they are not, and it doesn't. You know, this reminds me that I read that you said that you you grew up in a in a Baptist church where you didn't ask the Lord to solve a problem. You asked him to give him give you the strength to handle it. To handle, that's right. And, and I, I, I see that in your approach to so many different things where it's just like, come on now, you know, <laughs> let's let's just quit talking and let's find a solution and let's sure. let's get going. And and that's what I hear you. you, you th- those tears are, are just one of it sounds like. Of frustration that we're still in the same in the same place. So there's a more lighthearted story as to the title of the new collection, and um, I mean it starts with something more serious in that you had to go see your doctor um, for treatment of a seizure that you had, and he said, "Oh, you know, Nikki, this is because you're not eating well." And you said, "No, I think it's for something different, and I think it's a disease. It's going to be called Nikki, and you're going to be known for <laughs> you're going to be known for discovering it, and and that's because uh, you know I don't cry enough." Yeah. Now, is that really true? Do you feel like until recently you didn't cry enough? I, I think that uh, well, I'm. I'm I'm 74 years old, and I think people my age, black and white, grew up in segregation, no matter how you look at it. We always deal with the impact of segregation against black people, and it, it was a bad idea. But we also need to look at what did it do to white people to have to always remember that you have to do something. We uh, I had my class, by the way, uh, last, uh, last semester, write a, a, a story. I teach children's lit. I had them write a story. I wanted it to be, tell me about the man who stood there while they were arresting Rosa Parks. There was a white man who stood there. He knew that Mrs. Parks had paid the same dime as he had. Now, I'm going to grant him that when you get on the bus and you weren't thinking about it, you know, everything went that way. But now something has changed. We have this woman who says, no, this isn't right. I'm like, who is this man? And 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 how does he stand there and say, I have to enforce yeah. this? Yeah, yeah, I have yeah. to make, it's not just that it is, I have to make myself a part of it. We haven't looked at the uh, uh, impact of segregation, and we haven't looked at the impact of racism on white people. I think it has to be looked at. And I know, I, I'm, not an, uh, <laughs> I'm not a fool. I know the negative impacts on, on black yeah, people. Yeah. But there were negative impacts, and we look at it now, on white people, yeah, and we haven't asked ourselves what what does this mean that you have to enforce something that you know to be that crazy? Yeah, how has that changed the fabric of the community? Yeah. How does it change you to yeah. know that you have to say to a twelve year old, "You can't go to this park. You can't use that bathroom." You know, I'm writing a, a, a an article right now, which I'm, I I keep smiling about, but I haven't gotten it where I want it to be. But uh, I'm doing a thing for the air, for the trains, oh. and uh, yeah, because the tra- I love trains. Yeah. But of course, I grew up in segregated trains. Yeah. And so when I finally was able to ride the train with my sister by ourselves, without my mother being there, she would always seat us near the toilet. Mm-hmm. We would always be close to, and it was the black, you know, it says colored only. And it was there so that we didn't have to walk through. Yeah, and not, she didn't want us to be subject to anybody saying anything. And I'm sure she tipped the um, 
the, the, the Pullman porters to, yeah. to kind of look out for us. I'm sure they were glad to do that. But it just really, you know, you, you think about how all of these things happened. And I like trains. I still like trains. And I know we should have learned to dislike trains because of that. But I always like trains. I'd be glad if they bring trains back right. because I'm really sick of airplanes. Yeah, it's, it's gotten <laughs> You know, you, you can't count on them. But uh, it's, it's been fun. To, and, and I'm trying to go back to say, what was it? Because I remember the first time, or the second time, I should say, that I rode alone on a train. Yeah. And I rode down to see my grandmother. I'm by myself. Yeah. So I did what Mommy always told me. I, I sat in yeah. the back. I sat near the, the toilet, and I had uh, cookies because I always liked cookies. I know I should have. I'm sure she gave me a couple of dollars. I was supposed to buy a sandwich or something, but <laughs> I didn't want to buy a sandwich. I wanted cookies, so I, I got the cookies. Knoxville was only like eight. With your doctor sitting you down and saying, okay. <laughs> but my doctor and I are having this argument uh, about my seizure. Because I do have a seizure. I remember you. There's some things I, I don't or it takes a little longer, you know, to, to get it together. But I think that if you're holding emotion in, and we're beginning to see some of it now. We recently saw someone shot the, uh, the, the congressman or something. We're seeing that it gets out. But I'm thinking if we just would learn to cry and somebody would say, you know, we understand. I don't understand why men, well, women don't cry as much as they say we do. Yeah. But men don't get to cry at all. No, I, I agree. That, that, how, how are they going to learn to yeah. be emotional yeah. if they're having to always hold yeah. something in? The whole society, you end up with a heart attack, yeah. or you end up, what they would like, of course, is to, to let them be or to make them soldiers so that when they're dropping bombs on people, it, it's, it's yeah. all right. They never like are letting it out. Yeah. And, of course, they come home and they scream in the middle of the night, and their, their wives or their children or they actually end up, in many cases, living alone. We keep wondering, well, why can't the soldiers live with anybody? Because we've made them, yeah. I don't want to say they're crazy, they're not crazy, but we've made them afraid of the dark, as it were. Right. And I know that there are people who know more about this sort of thing than than I do. But I'll bet you for our soldiers right now, no matter what they say, we are at war. If you look at what's going on, we're at war. And as these young men and women are coming home, if... If we don't play music in the middle of the night, and sometimes we don't, we see what happens to them. They're screaming in the middle of the night, it's, and they're holding it in. Well, we mm. need to. They need to be able to cry. Yeah, they, that's all. Like you know, they need to be able to cry. I think that's. I think that's a beautiful message for all of us. You've also talked about um, looking to the manger and Mary instead of looking to the cross, which I thought was so interesting. That you you know you say we always we always look up to the cross, but really. There's so much to be learned and to be and to respect in Mary and and in that sure. birth. So talk talk a little bit about that. Well, it's true. I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of <laughs> of Mary, and you know, of course, we lose track of uh, Joseph because we are going to see Mary at the cross with John, with uh, Jesus's good friend John. And of course, though, again, we we all say we're Christians, but you know that Jesus asked John to take care of my mother. This we know, and we know that John took Mary to Turkey because he got away from all of those people because you knew. But can you imagine? I'm a mother. I've had a child, and can you imagine that you have this baby? And we say we're worshiping. Well, we're going to worship what it's going to become. So we don't just worship that he died. We worship the fact that he, if he hadn't been born, right? If if Mary hadn't agreed 
yeah, to, to, to do this to, crazy to him, thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and I don't care what they say, uh, uh, having babies is not uh, easy. <laughs> no, it's not either. And I love that at one point you said, you know, we really need to give Mary her props. And one more thing in terms of women and religion, you've also talked about women and spirituals and how what the spirituals meant and 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 your feeling of of them probably inventing him or certainly you know bringing them up to to the to the help that they were so talk to us a little bit about that well first and, and uh, the slave trade did not begin with the Europeans the Europeans joined the slave trade slave trade went on 400 years ago and it's going on now and those of us those of our relatives however you want to look at it who were sold did not speak the language of the people who purchased them but we have to remember that the Europeans didn't all speak their language too you had the Germans you had the Polish you had the British you had the French you had the Italians yet so they're not speaking it either and we know that in Middle Passage as they're making this passage, this voyage from West Africa to Eastern United States, we know that there's going to be a, a rebellion. These are things you can look up. We know that they were not successful in their rebellion. Some were thrown overboard. Some were killed. Most were put back down and held. Now, it had to be, and I'm, I, I just am committed to that. I could be wrong, but it had to be a woman because that's what women do. So now we're back where we were, and this woman has to recognize, and, and she's going to be an older woman, somebody like me, she's going to recognize my people, whoever we are going to be, we've lost. So we have to find a way to comfort ourselves. We have to find a way to communicate. We have to find a way to begin to find to who it. we are. So it's going to be a song, and, and the song is going to be a hum, a moan. A and by the time we get to the eastern United States, Virginia, all the way up and down, you know, by the time we get to that, all they're going to have is this tone. And this tone, they're going to be bought and sold. The first English word, and I'm, I'm always amazed nobody deals with that, but the first English word that the enslaved, now they are enslaved, knew is probably sold. And so we know that these people now are going to go and create a community. And in creating community, they're going to create first and foremost, a culinary situation because they have to learn to eat. So whatever it is and whatever they're used to eating, they're now going to eat something different. I know that that's a woman. We know that that's a woman who's going to do the culinary art. She's going to she's going to be the one who cooks. She's going to, as we know and, and truly appreciate now, uh, 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 find a way to make a quilt because it's going to be cold and they don't have adequate housing. So she's going to find a way to quilt. We don't have a word for quilt, but we're going to get the word for quilt. But mostly, at the end of the day, she's going to have to find a way to talk. And in finding a way to talk is going to be the music. And that music is going to come through. We're going to ultimately make it the spirituals. Nobody has said, isn't it incredible that these people found a God, that they accepted a God? Because they everything that you could look in their lives has not been good. And yet, they can sit there and say, the Lord sent you, that Jesus is, is, is blessing me. The Lord is blessing me right now. And in finding that blessing, they found a, a release. Am I making? Yeah. And yeah. I, think it's so, I think it's so important to give those people the credit for yeah. seeing that. I've also read that you're saying that 
that you feel like killing is a is a lack of imagination. And in, 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 in a weird way, it's almost like those of us that are in these crowded cities, we don't get to practice that type of expansive imaginations in ways that that you're talking about, perhaps. And we don't we don't have we don't have that skill set sort of at the at the top of our at the tip of our tongue kind of thing. You know, is that what you're also saying? Yeah. I'm, I'm, well, we know that, uh, first of all, we have to live together. Right. So we can start with that. I'm old. So I grew up in the South with guns and things of that nature. I think it's a bad idea because it doesn't solve anything and you can't undo it. You know, you can't yeah. unkill, you can't unrape, right. you can't... Uh, yeah, that's... that's yeah. You just can't un. So that being the case, it needs to stop. I think guns are probably the dumbest things on earth. We had guns because we needed to shoot game. And now we know that what we've done with it is we've, we, we've decimated a lot of game. So I want to talk to you as much about your writing as I, I'm interested in your experience in publishing. I... I understand that your first work, you you self-published before we, we knew that that was like a thing, where you asked the printer, all right, you know, how much will you charge me for 100 copies? And he said $100. And you're like, oh, all right, you know, so I can sell 100. I'll break even. That's fine. And and that, yeah. and, and you know, cut to what what n- number book is this, The Good Cry? Is this like 40 or 42? It's, it's published <laughs> I don't a know right now. But no, I, I, I was in a village here. Yeah, right. And, uh, yeah, because I lived in New York. I was going to, I had uh, enrolled in Columbia, but I realized that uh, it wasn't school. I was uh, getting a master's or going for a master of fine arts. But I was down in the, I can see his face. I can't think of his name right now. But that's exactly what I asked him. And I thought, okay, if I can get 100 books for $100, there's very little that you can't do for $100. <laughs> you know, you just get out there and work. But then the second 100 books, are only going to cost you about $60, so you're $40 to the good. And the thing that becomes important, I say this to any young writers who are listening, is you have to separate the business. You you, you have to know this is business. So if I'm making $40 on this 100 right, this 40 has to go into a bank. It has to go someplace because if I use it, I'll eat it up or I'll drink it. Or I didn't drink for the longest, but I'll do something with it. So if I do that, then I've got $40 to pay for toward the next hundred books, and then I wrote a book called Black Black Judgment. Yeah, and my mother uh, was sharing, but mommy was a uh, jazz fan, and when Black Judgment was coming out, it's such a pretty book, and uh, it, it really did a good job. And I thought, oh, wouldn't that be nice if I could have? I'm in. I'm here in New York. Wouldn't it be lovely if I could have a book party in Birdland? Mm-hmm. And Birdland was uh, owned at that point by uh, Harold Logan. Oh, wow. uh, Lloyd Price was one of the owners, but Harold Logan really was, was running it. And so I thought, well, I'll go down and see Mr. Logan. <laughs> and so one, one Monday, I think it was, because Sunday they were closed, Monday I went down and, and you know, asked, because he has a secretary there, that I'd like to see Mr. Logan about renting the, <laughs> renting the school. I know they must have thought it was crazy. And Harold was there. And I guess having nothing to do, he said, come in. And I, you know, hi, Mr. Logan, I'm Nikki Jermaine. I, I, I write poetry, and I wondered what I might do. My mother is a jazz fan, and I thought it would be really lovely to have a book party here. I know that you're closed on Sunday, and I would like to have a book party on Sunday. You're closed anyway. What would we have to do? And he just looked at me like, who is this? For? <laughs> and he thought about, you know, he's one of those. Yeah. And he said, well, I tell you what, Giovanni. He said, bring me 100 people. 
and you can have it. Ninety nine people, and you'll owe me five hundred dollars. Wow. Well, I said, uh, you know, and I said, thank you. We shook hands, and Birdland is downstairs. And I walked up to Broadway, and then it dawned on me. I just shook, shook hands with him. Yeah, really. <laughs> with a guy who probably shoot me and my kids or something. And so I just started working on my next door neighbor. By the way, was uh, Morgan Freeman. So I was very lucky with that. Morgan was just beginning, but but he had friends. He was popular. He did, and uh, <laughs> Novella Nelson. And Larry Neal. So I had some people, you know, we all. And so we I, got it. And you and made I, it? You made the 100? I owe you. We made more than that because where it was, uh, it was a 6 o'clock, um, and, you know, 6 o'clock thing. And people started lining up because it was free. And people started lining up, and then they turned the corner. And New York Times was right above. Oh, yeah, that's right, the old yeah. New York Times building, sure. And so they looked down, and they just saw all of these people. Oh, my gosh, did they right. send and a reporter they down? They said, what's going on? They sure did. So what's oh. going on? And the reporter comes down and said, what's going on? And, of course, the answer was black judgment is coming. And that, <laughs> you, you see where that was going? <laughs> yeah, black judgment is coming. So I got the second news front. <laughs> and it was really, um, and mommy was really pleased. I was really pleased, and Harold was pleased. And another person that I knew, Eddie, uh, I forget Eddie's last name, but Eddie finally murdered um, Harold. And I was really sorry about that because I enjoyed working with, <laughs> with that, him. That, okay, thank you. That's, that's a fantastic story. I very it's much true. appreciate it. And now, so now, you know, we're putting you through the ringer. We're asking you to do podcasts and videos and and live events. It's it's changed a little bit, huh? I enjoy my career. And I think that the main thing, again, I would say to anybody is that it's not a career to make money. I mean, not, it's not just that you can't make money because I guess you can. I look at J.K. Rollins or yeah. I look at... Uh, uh, Alexander McCall Smith, or you know, you look at some of those people that yeah. really big. I'll never be, and I don't think that that should be uh, something I should worry about. I think that I, as a poet, should worry about writing the best poetry I can. And that show, by the way, at at Broadway was free, and I could have said, "Oh, I'm going to charge yeah, a dollar and right, see," right. but no. And I had a show in uh, at Lincoln Center, and almost everything that I've done. I've been able to make a partner of the people who owned it. Yeah. And I've been able to, because it's, it, because it is free, I've been able to build. And I think that that's what's important because people forget, you know, when you do, when you do Lincoln Center, you know, at that point we had the 1,500 seats in, in Alice Tully, right? Well, I could have charged $10, I guess, or something like that. But if I'd done that, then money comes in. Then you have to keep up with it. So the better thing to do <laughs> was what I did. Packy McGinnis was, uh, the, was, was, was running Lincoln Center then. And so I said to Packy, what do I need? And he, he said, this is, what, this is what I have to show my people. This works. And so we were able to do it. And, of course, uh, and, and he's a sweetheart, um, uh, Wilson Pickett. I, I knew Pickett, and so I asked Pickett if he would do it. And I said to Pickett, because I'm such a fan of hers, I said, bring Aretha. Oh, no, but, you didn't. Yeah, but no, we didn't get Aretha. You know, Lincoln, Aretha is a, is a cash person. You, like you like to aim high, though, just in you case. You ask for who you want. But <laughs> Wilson Pickett, Pickett is so funny. Pickett comes out on stage. She opens the show. I wish Aretha Franklin could... Oh, I'm sure Aretha to this day hates me for that. I mean, it was so funny because, you know, Pickett, is, oh, it was just... And we had a good time, and the people who came had a good time because it's poetry. And all you're doing with... And I don't mean it just, but... All you're doing is trying to open up our hearts and our minds. And so as long as I can get people to work with me, and I've, I've continued to, to function on that level, which means that I'll never, be, I'll never be rich. But it's not something that 
bothers me. Yeah. What what I have enjoyed is that I write good poetry. You write excellent poetry. Thank you. No, but I do. It makes you, it's like reading today, and the poem that I was crying about is, and yes, this is a love poem. And it was just, I said, oh, that is a really good poem. I was sitting here crying, and I had to stop. I thought, that, that's a really good poem, and it is. And I like what I do with history because you, you know things, and so you want to bring in what has happened, but you want to bring in what can happen, hmm. the possibilities, you know. And so it's, uh, I enjoy it. I, I, I think I'm very fortunate. To, yeah. To... Life is good. You find a way. My favorite quote that I've read of you, and I and it just, it slays me every time I say it, but I have been saying it to myself over the last several days is, I hope I die warmed by the life I tried to live. Yeah. That's the most beautiful thing. Oh, thank you. And I, I think I thank you. <laughs> I really and truly yeah. do, because you, no, you're thanks. making me cry in a good way. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, I want to thank you so very much, and thank you particularly for recording, because uh, you know every poet reading their work is spectacular and and better than reading it on the page, but particularly your performance, uh, your Grammy-nominated performance on on the collection that we had the pleasure of recording you previously, and I'm sure this one as well. I'm. It means so much to us, and we very much appreciate it. Oh, my, no, totally my, uh, totally my pleasure. Thanks for listening. We hope that you've enjoyed what you've heard, and if you have, that you'll subscribe. To do so, you just go to your podcast app, search for Harper Audio Presents, and click subscribe. That way, you'll never miss a conversation of publisher plus author plus microphone. <laughs>